Hey guys, welcome back to Who, What, Where, a true crime podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin, Hannah, and Abigail. If you've never listened before, just know this is a very chatty girls' night sleepover type podcast. We will speculate and theorize a lot, so if that's not your jam, we totally understand. But if it is, you can tune in every Monday for a full-length episode, and then come back every Friday for a freaky Fast Friday episode, where we give you the rundown on a case, sometimes unsolved, always freaky, in 30 minutes or less. In this week's full-length episode, we're going to talk about the E.O. Green shooting, which is also known as the murder of Larry King. There are a lot of different names um, regarding this case, but it also kind of depends on what side of the case you're on, which there are two sides of it, which I did not know before I started researching it. Um, Just as a side note, Caitlin and I both went to E.O. Green High Junior High. Well, and that's why when you were telling me that, like, there's people that, like... Agree, like somehow think it was justified like yeah and we'll get that, to like, that like kind of blew my mind because i only heard stories of like how awful and sad it was so i remember it happening we were all still in elementary school so we went to richard bard elementary school and we went on a lockdown because they were in our school district so i remember it happening mm-hmm. and like mom saying something about it and like how awful it was you were pretty young. I was, I think, in, like, first or second grade. Yeah. To clarify, we were not at this, we were not in school at EO Green Junior High mm-hmm. School in Oxnard, California at the time of the shooting. We did not go for, like, another year, couple years, two years. I was, like, three years behind Two them, or three years think, later. Yeah. And Abby never went to that school because we it was It was 2008. Mm-hmm. So, I was in first grade. I was okay. six. So, Yeah. So that means I would have been in, like, fourth. So a couple years later, three years later for me, four years, two years for Caitlin. Um, we it went was there. only two years. Wow. Um, but, yeah, again, it was, like, one of those things that we immediately, we went on lockdown, our school did. And so it's kind of this weird case because we feel semi-connected to it and we eventually went to the same school. Um, it was, like, an isolated incident, which we'll talk about. So it wasn't like the school was... I mean, it wasn't the best. It wasn't like high the school. most amazing school, but that's just the area. Yeah, but it wasn't nearly as bad. It wasn't like that. This um, school itself had a lot of that kind of violence. violent issues. Um, probably some fights here and there. As Although most it did, highs. like, well, that area had a lot of gang. It was like gang territory. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Like that's why we had a uniform. Because and there was, like, gates, remember? There was a lot of gang-related re- violence, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, in the school itself, like, there was, like, fights, which happen at most junior high and high schools, but there yeah. wasn't really a ton of um, violence this severe. Yeah. So, let's just jump right into the actual meat and potatoes of the episode. So, I'm going to talk about the who. There are two main characters in the case, um, obviously, Larry King and then um, the young man at the time, now he's much older, but young man at the time who shot and killed him. So Lawrence Phobes King, um, which I'll refer to as either King or Larry going forward, um, I believe that he was called Larry mostly, um, was born on January 13th, 1993. So something like a year older than Caitlin is, or would have been a year older than Caitlin is now. No, um, four no. years. Oh, four, four years. years. Sorry, I thought you were Math born. is hard. We're going to say that every single episode now. <laughs> his mother was a drug addict and a prostitute, um, and his father had abandoned them. So this guy's track record is starting off poor. Um, 
Larry and his younger brother, who was a newborn at the time, were adopted by Gregory and Don King in 1995. So Larry was only two years old at the time. Oh, wow. Um, he had a- diagnosed ADHD and was on medication for it. According to Gregory King, who's his uh, adoptive father at this point, he was diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder. That makes sense. And which is a condition where a child fails to develop relationships with his or her caregivers and it negatively affects the relationships you make for the rest of your life. That'll like, make you either like really want affection from every single person you meet or you like can't form actual relationships so or it negatively it it's a huge when you're an infant like and through your childhood like that's the most formative years of a child's development honestly like and that'll make more sense as to why um Gregory and Don King react the way they do to this um murder which is a little odd um just side kind of sad right yeah what you said yeah yeah so Larry came out as gay at 10 years old and he was openly gay he dressed more feminine I'll just say that that's how I'll put it um there are like people that give testimony that says he was a cross-dresser I don't know the extent of it um he did wear like high heels and makeup often and occasionally dresses not to school as we know yeah green has a a uniform Um, and we'll get into that too about the uniform and that did come into play. Like, is he breaking uniform policy? Um, so he was bullied by his peers, like for his entire life, but especially once he came out as gay. Um, think about this in 2000, like what, if he was 10 years old, this would have been probably 2004. Yeah. About. About. Um, so think about how much less people were like open to people being gay and transgender or whatever he identified as. It's not super clear. Um, he did, he did call himself gay, but then. But it was a different time. But yeah. And then Gregory, who his, his adoptive father said a few times that he, Larry had told him Gregory, that he was bisexual, Um, but then there was a report that said that he had told people to call him Letitia, so I... I'm not 100% sure. Those are kind of the Maybe facts. He That's didn't what I know. Have. He was, and, he was, and he young. was young. And again, it was a different time. It wasn't, it wasn't like a different, different time, but it was 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago. So um, things were different back then. <laughs> I'll just put it at that. Yeah. Um, he probably didn't have the words to describe, yeah. to describe well, what he I also was. think <laughs> that it wasn't as common at that time period for people to like, go by um different pronouns or like a different name well yeah no that that wasn't a thing so i mean he could have been non-binary like we don't know that and so i think that maybe either he didn't know or Mm -hmm. he was kind of just non-binary could be either yeah maybe and he i mean for as much as people were unaccepting of gay people back then they were even more unaccepting of people right. who are non-binary so or transgender. Kind of so took like a middle ground almost between like maybe who he really was and who people thought he was, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, so then at age 12, he was placed on probation for theft and vandalism. This is a weird fact. He was placed on probation for theft and vandalism after taking food from the fridge at the home he was living in. Uh, that seems weird <laughs> yeah. that he got charged for that i don't know i that was like a weird fact that i found and i was like that doesn't make any sense because i thought that he was adopted i don't know um anyway moving on from that point i'm trying to make there with that sentence is that he was 
not maybe not in the best home not in the best home and also he had um i guess issues with the law very vaguely um in 2007 he was removed from his adopted home adoptive home and placed in the group home and treatment center casa pacifica after he alleged that his adoptive father was physically abusing him a a claim that gregory did deny multiple times um Okay, next person in the story is Brandon David McIrney, was born on January 24th, 1994 in Ventura, California. Um, Larry was also born in Ventura, California. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, Brandon's mother, Kendra, had a criminal history and was addicted to meth. So again, his track record does not start off very well either. Um, And she did accuse her husband, William, of shooting her in the arm after like a dispute. Um, between August 2000 and February 2001, William McErnie, which is Brandon's father, had contacted CPS five different times to express his concern about his son living with Kendra, who was his biological mother. Um, by 2001, William placed a restraining order against Kendra, and then by 20, 2004, um, Brandon was placed in custody of his father. So, Which um, is three years of... yeah. So who knows exactly what went on in the house. I don't know if there was, like, physical abuse from Kendra to Brandon or if there was just, like, a really horrible household, like, no money, no proper care. Um, That's kind of unclear. But by 2004, he would have been eight. So now on to the what section of the who, what, where. Um, This is going to get a little eventually it will get graphic so just kind of a fair warning to you guys that this is not um not a happy look. not a happy ending case <laughs> and not like a non it's very violent i'll say that there we go <laughs> um king was more accepted once he entered junior high at eo green junior high school which was seventh grade um he had a group of girls that he hung out with regularly and sat with like at lunch and everything Um, However, as probably you guys could expect, he was bullied by boys in gym class who bullied him for wearing, specifically wearing women's clothing, accessories, high heels, and makeup, um, which kind of started in January of 2008, it sounds like. Um, This is where it gets kind of tricky with the whole dress code issue. Um, Some teachers believed he was violating the dress dress code, um, but California anti-discrimination laws prevent discrimination based on gender, including like gender expression so he was able to dress in more feminine clothing and wear makeup and wear high heels all he wanted because that technically itself wasn't breaking dress code like he could well, just wear the female dress code yeah and like a woman Which, good could on do you that. california yeah <laughs> yeah and so the the thing is is a lot of teachers are like well but still he's causing a distraction um but there's a lot of, like, gray area because it's, like, well, if a, a girl wore, like, a low-cut shirt and was being a distraction but she was still within dress code, like, what is, where is the truth here kind of thing? It's up for interpretation yeah. by the administration. Yeah. So, hit the um, assistant principal, Joy Epstein, she was the one that really was, like, okay, this is fine. He's just expressing himself differently than other people might want him to but we can't technically tell him how to dress or to stop acting like to stop acting more feminine and dressing more feminine um then it says that he had been asked to be called Letitia again I mentioned that earlier 
I'm just going to leave it at that because I'm not going to try to speculate on what his like exact identity was. On January 29th, 2008, so this is like less than two weeks before the shooting, um, assistant principal Sue Parsons emailed every teacher at the school and this is quotes... We have a student on campus who has chosen to express his sexuality by wearing makeup. It is his right to do so. Some kids are finding it amusing. Others are bothered by it. As long as it does not cause classroom disruptions, he is within his rights. We are asking that you talk to your students about being civil and non-judgmental. They don't have to like it, but they do have to give him a space. We are also asking you to watch for possible problems. If you wish to talk further about it, please see me or Joy Epstein. So basically, she's saying, like, he's allowed to do this. Leave the kid alone. Leave the kid alone. But also, watch out for problems. Probably meaning watch out for other students. Watch out for bullies. Yeah, Yeah, bullying. Um, Extensive bullying. Because I will say this. There is name calling, like, in any school, anywhere that you go to, no matter what. Like, you'll Mm -hmm. get name called for just being relatively normal, so to speak. Mm Mm-hmm. Or I guess I don't want to call. Um, anyway, <laughs> you can get name called for freaking anything is the point I'm trying to make there. And so, like, there's name calling that happens in middle schools. But I think what they're trying to say is if there is, like, hate, like, hateful bullying related like hate, to hate speech, hate speech um, sort of things, then there's going to have to be something fixed there. Mm-hmm. So that was January 29, 2008. And then now we're going to move on to like the what of the shooting. So on about one or two days before the shooting, King walked onto the basketball court during the middle of a game and asked McKierney to be his Valentine in front of team members who then proceeded to make fun of McKierney. Um, Well, and isn't that one of the big issues is like he himself was getting bullied and so like... Yeah, so um, any like... A lot of the media coverage on this was based on this, like, one sentence that he had asked him to be his valentine in front of a bunch of other people. Some, possibly to Brandon's, like, mind making it seem like he was, like, they were, like, he, Brandon thought that everyone else thought that, okay, people think that me and Larry are actually going to, like, are actually, like, in, like, a relationship kind of is what that seems like to me um well and the fact that you say like that the valentine part was like super relevant to the story in the media valentine road is the name of the documentary the name of the documentary yeah Mm -hmm. um and this did get huge media coverage which we'll talk to talk about that in a little bit too um so that was kind that's kind of the catalyst it seems like was that specific event on February 11th, which was the day before the shooting, King yelled to McEarney in a corridor. Um, this is a school in Southern California, so everything's outside except for the classrooms themselves. So you can, like, yell to people and it wouldn't be, like, super jarring. No, <laughs> you're it's outside. outside. It's outside all the hallways, per se. Which is outside. what a corridor is, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, love you, baby. And then later that day, King was parading, is what the article said back and forth in front of McKierney and a group of other boys who were hanging out with um, McKierney. And he was in high-heeled boots and makeup. Larry King was. Um, The group of boys were laughing at McKierney and he was getting visibly upset. 
Then there was like this tidbit that said that a teacher was watching this entire situation happen and allegedly she looked at Brandon McKierney and like wagged her finger like saying like no 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 like don't get mad don't get upset kind of thing. Interesting. Well in defense of the teachers I don't know that any of them like saw any super big red flags like which we'll get into that too. Um, it's, but but it, it, it's weird to me because I think that if Brandon was getting like laughed at and bullied in front of like his friends, I mean, I could see why he was getting upset. Oh, totally. Right? It Absolutely. Makes, that makes sense to me. I but I can also see how there was no huge red flags. I also think the teachers probably felt like they needed to tread really lightly because it was such it a was sensitive subject. A very sensitive subject. And so. In a very un. Like, not discovered subject either really like yeah up until this point it was kind of like one of those things like okay if you're gay like just don't tell anybody like it just was, live your life well yeah but there don't was tell a anyone. whole like um and don't ask don't tell there like are, that recently went away it's there were a recent. lot of um teachers who there was one specific i can't remember her name we'll talk about it later because she is in like the testimony part who said that she had she had a pretty good relationship with larry king but she told him multiple times don't wear makeup, don't wear women's clothing, don't wear high heels, don't do anything that's going to bring attention to you. Um, She's probably worried for her safety. Yeah. And then she, as an adult, like, you have the hindsight to be like, this could get violent really quickly. Right. <laughs> um, and then, like I said, the group of boys was laughing at McKierney, and he was getting visibly upset. McKierney, I don't know if it was that day or a different day, attempted to recruit other students to assault King, but no one seemed interested. Um, He then told one of King's friends to say goodbye to him because she would never see him again. It was very premeditated. Oh, yeah. It was super. He, he, I think that something switched off in his head and it was like, I'm never going to be able to not be bullied about this unless I kill this kid. It's, It's really sad because this kid was 13. Like... Yeah. And he was being... It's crazy that somebody at that age... And he was being bullied by... Probably... Maybe... Maybe not King. There is some, like, people that think that that was the case. Like, he was bullying him. But he was being bullied by his friends, by his peers, the people that he played basketball with, like, his, you know, kind of... um, His social group. His social group. So, that's stressful for a 13-year-old kid. Oh, definitely. Um... Not that we're justifying what happened. But I think that there's something to say about how his reaction as a 13-year-old was to kill him well, because of his environment that he grew yes, up in. Yes, exactly. Oh, totally. So it all goes back to the fact that neither of these kids had a great, um, like, I don't know, parents. Like, they had no good role models, really, about how to live life. It's also well, a sp- violent area. Like, it is. violent things happen all the time in Ventura. Like, yeah. all the time. Well, in Oxnard, yeah. Yeah. Well, Ventura County. Um, okay, so then that was that was all on February 11th. And then on the morning of February 12th, witnesses say that they could see Brandon repeatedly looking at King during a class in the computer lab. And he was... Those labs were so small, Yeah, too. and he was <laughs> behind him. I don't know exactly how many rows behind him, but he was behind him in the class. Um, at 8.15 a.m., so, like, right after school started, it possibly, I had heard at one point back when I was, like, younger that it was during the Pledge of Allegiance, so that's why everyone was standing up. Oh, um, I think I remember hearing that. McEarney shot 
King twice in the back of the head with a 22 caliber revolver, which he had taken, taken from some of his relatives. I think it was his uncle. Somebody. Yeah, somebody in his family. Um, McKierney then tossed the gun down and walked from the classroom. So at this point, he wasn't running. And it's not clear to me, really, if he started running in the school or if he was trying to, like, not seem suspicious and started running once he got outside the gates. Um, he was later apprehended by police about 17 minutes, seven minutes later. That was, like we were saying, that was when we had to go into lockdown because he was outside of school running. And they thought he would, we were fairly close at our elementary but school. But, of course, this was, like, an isolated incident. He wasn't, he, it wasn't, like, a school shooting that we hear about now where the person's just trying to kill anybody they can. He or, like, was, a list. He was, was purposely killing one person mm-hmm. or, yeah. Um, King was transported to St. John's Regional Medical Center where about, I think it was one day later, oh yeah, on February 13th, he was declared brain dead, but he was kept on life support for two days um, so that his organs could be donated. So we've already discovered where this happened. This was in EO Green Junior High School in Oxnard, California, and it was around Valentine's Day. Um, So let's move on to the why and the how, which is where it really gets into it. And then we'll also talk about like the trial because that was a big portion of why this got so much media coverage and people like Ellen DeGeneres and Hillary Clinton and stuff like spoke out about it. Um, so the why for why Brandon killed him is pretty obvious at this point, but Larry would tell the boys who harassed him that they were attractive and asked if he could sit with them at lunch. He would also say, I, he would like taunt the boys that harassed him by saying, I know you want me in the halls between classes. This is all, like, testimony or witnesses saying these things. Um, So that's pretty... To me, that seems like that's clearly the motive behind Brandon, obviously, is that he felt threatened. And and for all we know, maybe Brandon was exploring his own sexuality and he didn't know... Maybe he thought that he could have been... Like, I mean, bisexual or gay. Internalized homophobia is a thing. And maybe that's why he was so, he felt so threatened by someone mm-hmm. saying those things to him because he was second guessing him, his own self. Um, <clears throat> so now we'll get into the trial, which is lengthy. <laughs> there is a lot happening in the trial. So again, like I said, there was condolences expressed by many. It was a highly publicized case because it did have to do with um, a possible hate crime. Eventually the hate crime um, charge to get dropped. But um, so Senator Hillary Clinton and Ellen DeGeneres both spoke out like in, I don't know, like condolences kind of of this case. Um, then this is where I was talking about how it's kind of interesting that how Gregory and Don King reacted to this whole thing, which is um, Larry's adoptive parents. Um, Gregory himself believes that Larry was sexually harassing McKierney and has expressed concern that Larry is being made a poster child for gay rights. Of course, Gregory King and Don King have also said multiple times to the media that they're, of course, like, horrified that this happened to their child and they feel really bad about, like, this entire thing. But Gregory, like, really does believe that Larry was sexually harassing McKierney to some extent. But these are the same parents that reported him for stealing food from his own fridge. Well, yeah, that's like, take it with a grain of salt, but his own father. So that, to me, that just 
cements in my mind that his connection it, with Larry likely. was not was not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so February 2008, which was right after the shooting occurred, they began considering asking for a change of venue because of the publicity of the trial. Um, they being the defense mm-hmm. or Brandon. Um, in July 2008, Judge Douglas Daly of Ventura County Superior Court ruled that McKierney would stand trial as an adult. Wow. And there was multiple, like, appeals, appeals to that, and every single time it was shot down. Like, Which there is, was... He's 13. Yeah, he was That's 13 at the time. absolutely insane. Like, I think it's weird to charge, like, a 16-year-old for, a, yeah. as an adult, like... Mm, 16, I could see, but anything 15 or below is, like, that's a child. Well, where's the cutoff, right? Like, technically, the cutoff should be 18, yeah, but, like, but it, 16... It, it depends on the, the scale of the crime. Yeah, mm-hmm. how heinous it is. And mm-hmm. so the the thing about this crime is, like, he was shot execution style. Like, there was no... And it was premeditated. There was no, like, if ands, or buts. Like, it wasn't like he just, like, saw him in the schoolyard and, like, shot him in the leg or something. He shot him execution style in the back to of the head two him. times for the purpose of murdering him. Um... I will say it, it's important to mention, I suppose, that Brandon has said multiple times that he never said it, he never testified in court, um, but he did say, like, multiple mm. times to his own, like, you know, lawyers that he was upset that he had done it and he, if he could go back, he wouldn't have done it. But of course, as a 13 year old, 13 year olds are right. (laughs) Like when I was a 13 year old, I don't think I would have killed anybody, Um, but I probably would have done things that I would have regretted. The hormones like because your hormone levels are not balanced at all. And like it could easily I agree with the impulsive influence Uh your behavior, which is why we keep guns away from children because Mm -hmm. they can't make rational like it's. It sounds mean and, like, condescending, but children literally have no ability to make rational decisions yeah. because of... Their prefrontal cortex is their not Their brain is developed. not developed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most men is not developed until you're, like, 23, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Which and... goes back to, when are you considered an adult? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what? Well, and if, if his mother... This is a little bit off track, but if his mother was doing drugs while he was in utero... It's possible. He could have easily had brain deterioration and therefore didn't have... I will say, though, it was testified multiple times that he was, like, an incredibly bright child. Like, he was very smart. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, And another side note, that it was testified a few times that he possibly drew Nazi symbols. Like, doodled Nazi symbols. However, then there's, like, a bunch of people that are, like, he was not a Nazi. He was not... This had nothing to do with race. Larry King was also at least partially African-American. So that's important to mention that I see what you're saying, but I don't know, based on what I've read, I feel like he might not... He might not have been developmentally delayed at all. I see. Um, He probably has a slew of other issues, like, related to his home life and his childhood, but I don't think... I think he was a smart kid. Or it seemed like from the evidence that I got that he was a smart kid. It's really tragic to think that he was tried as an adult, but he was clearly showed remorse. Like, Mm -hmm. sure, it was premeditated, but the thing with premeditation is, is any jury is going to see it like this. They're going to be like, at any time between him stealing the gun from his uncle or whatever, and the time that he shot um, Larry, 
Like, at any time, you could have stopped. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, what influences courts usually right. to be, like, it was premeditated. Yeah. It was malicious. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things, though, that's, like, I can't remember the name of the phenomenon, but it's, like, people after, like, a huge thing happens, remember they're, like... Remember things incorrectly. Oh, we saw this. We mm-hmm. saw this. Like, oh, in hindsight, we saw yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Like... It's also, it happens in, um, like eyewitness accounts yeah they can say things totally wrong just because our brain takes the information that we want it to take like it, oh absolutely it doesn't, well yeah and after people saw that true. after he killed somebody we were like oh maybe i did see him draw nazi symbols yeah i see what you guys are saying mm-hmm. it's a good point um so then in august 2008 so the next month mckierney pleaded not guilty to premeditated murder and a hate crime in September 2008, the court appointed Willard Wicksell, which is a lawyer from Ventura, um, to be his guardian ad litem for McKierney, which I don't know if you know more about that. But I think that all that means basically is that he is acting like as his guardian while he's going <laughs> while so he court. can he can make like legal decisions for him because his parents probably were unable to his do that. father is at this point still alive but we'll get to that in a second um october 2008 mckierney was when mckierney and willard wixell willard is such an interesting name just side note <laughs> um fired his public defender who he was assigned at the very beginning which was william quest and hired Robert Robin Brans, Bramson from the and the United Defense Group. So a lawyer from the United Defense Group. So after Willard was named the guardian ad litem for McKierney, um, they started to take steps to fire William Quest and the public defender's office for relatively obvious reasons. If you guys know anything about public defenders, not that those people are bad people, but they but just don't have the funding and the time. And it's not always they're not always in your best interest right Mm -hmm. and hire the united defense group which was a criminal defense law firm from los angeles and then at first the public defender's office filed a petition stating that the united defense group might not have mckierney's best interest in mind the public defender's office was trying to keep um brandon under their care care so they filed a petition stating that the united defense group might not have mckierney's best interest in mind um, but eventually that was found, obviously, not to be the case. Um, and then the court also denied a motion to gag the defendant's former representatives from the public defender's office from speaking out about the case. That's interesting. In December 2008, there were um, a lot of tests up to this point that had been done to, by psychiatrists and psychologists um, to see if McKierney was competent to stand trial and it was ruled in December 2008 that he was competent to stand trial also in December 2008 Scott Whippert of the United Defense Group filed a motion for discovery to uncover whether the prosecutors exercised exercise discretion in sending McKierney's case to adult court so again another there were multiple different times that people were like he shouldn't be tried as an adult we're going to try to figure out why they said that he was. It's, yeah, it's interesting. So, Judge Rebecca Riley denied the motion um, in December 2008. In March 2009, so the next year, this, this case goes on for a really long time. Um, the preliminary hearing was postponed when Mc, William McKierney, who is Brandon's father, was found dead. Um, it seemed, it wasn't like malicious. It doesn't seem like, it seemed like he fell when he was working on a property. Could have possibly been like a contractor 
Um, Judge Riley granted Brandon permission to leave juvenile detention facility that he was in to attend his father's funeral. Um, August 2009, so a couple months later again, in his arraignment, McKierney pleaded not guilty to all charges again. So the judge, Bruce Young, set the pretrial hearing date for October 2009 and a trial start date for December 2009. So at this point, it's been over a year. Mm -hmm. Um, In September 2009, the addition of the lying and wait allegation to the list of charges meant that his case would automatically be tried in adult court. Which, from my understanding, lying in wait basically means that you were waiting. Like, you were, like, like if you were to, like, hide around a corner and wait to kill somebody, that's lying in wait. Oh, I see. So, okay. if it was during the Pledge of Allegiance and he was just waiting for everybody to stand up so he could kill him, that would make sense to be lying in wait See, all of these, like, things make it seem like, I can't believe a 13-year-old did yeah. this. You know, so in criminal law, lying in wait refers to the act of hiding and waiting for an individual with the intent to kill that person or inflict serious, serious bodily harm. Okay, so it it basically means that it's premeditated. Basically, premeditated by nature, but also like saying that it was so premeditated that he was waiting possibly to the exact minute to do it. Right, like waiting for like the perfect time, like in his brain. Weird. Well, um, and it's essentially saying because it was premeditated, that's why he's being tried as an adult. Yeah. So then there was a big gap here. Um, in July 2010, trial the trial was again postponed, and a hearing was scheduled for April 2011. So that's three years. By this difference. time, I was at the school. I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about to leave eighth grade. Yeah. Um, in August 2010, Judge Charles Campbell ruled that the trial would proceed in Ventura County, so there was no change of venue, and that the jur- but the jurors would be selected from Santa Barbara County, which is a little bit further away. Either way, you're going to hear about it. It was these. There was articles in like the L.A. Times. So well, and like Ellen DeGeneres, right? Exactly. Who has a TV show, yeah, and is like a gay icon. <clears throat> was talking yeah. about it. So, um, so in July 2011. Trial began with change of venue to Chatsworth, Los Angeles. So I don't know what happened between August 2010 and July 2011, um, but they did change, do a change of location, Is sort of in change of venue. Jail this whole time. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's he was thought. at a juvenile detention facility. We'll, well get to that cool, and how that works into his um, sentencing. Um, the prosecution's big, like, kind of, I don't know, like general way they portrayed McKierney was that he was a popular kid who was skilled in martial arts and shooting guns and he was a white supremacist. Oh, they like brought that up in court. Yes. Um, The defense, on the other hand, was saying that they described King as the aggressor, saying he was sexually aggressive and was provoking McKierney. So it was like a brutal trial is what you're trying to say. Yes. Because they were basically pitting these two kids against each other. And these are children. Like, that's kind of the craziest part to me is that these are two kids that they're trying to make, they're trying to make this case make sense to the jury. I also want to say that, can you even, I mean, yes and no, but can you even be a white supremacist at 13? Because really all of your ideas at that point are coming from your, like, social influence. So generally your parents, which is a lot of times why people's political ideas change well, as and they it get could, older. it could be that he was hanging out with kids who, and they all kind of were like, oh, like, this is kind of fun, this is kind of cool, it makes us different. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I don't know. I'm again. I'm Almost theorizing. Almost kind of like but, a gang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I just want to say that you. We need to consider that he was a child, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the times, rational thought just isn't there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, people would disagree with you. <laughs> I know people would disagree like... <laughs> with me, but I I'm like a firm believer that children. It's hard to see. It's hard to see consequences. And they shouldn't be held accountable for their. I mean, they should be and social views, at like when they're older. Yeah. I mean, this is different because there's violence involved. But an example that I'm thinking of is if a a student or somebody said like the N word when they were young, and then went on to apologize for it when they're like 20. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like or they might not have known. They might not have known the weight of it socially and like culturally at that age. Sure. And they're getting all their influence, most of their influence, depending on the family, from their parents mm-hmm. at that age. And so when you go on in life and grow up and make your own decisions and realize this was wrong, I think we should accept if they're being honest, their apology. Which you can edit that out if you want to, but I just thought that was Never yeah. thought. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so that's to me one of the saddest parts about this entire case is that it's it's two, in my opinion, it's two deeply troubled children who probably both didn't know the weight of their actions because, hear me out. Technically, Larry, if Larry King was actually saying the things that he was saying was saying like I know you want me and like all it's these kind of se- it's a little bit sexually harassing but and, it's not worth murder and oh, so to not, be clear but... yes I'm not saying that you should because if if I what if like us as young women who we were sexually have, harassed all the time right like school. what if we <laughs> had been, slap us had right been sexually harassed and had killed somebody like so I'm not saying that McKierney was necessarily, like, making a good decision, because he wasn't. But almost but like we were both in the wrong. Yes, that's what I'm saying, sort of, is that it's it's so sad because they were both deeply troubled, and there was obviously, like, sexuality involved, which is, like, a highly charged subject when you're in middle school and you don't know yeah, really anything true. about yourself, um, that I see why I I see why it escalated to the point that it did. Also, I guess they're is both what I'll say. children, and they don't know how to, once again, rationally handle this situation as would be appropriate to somebody like an adult. So, generally, an adult would handle it by, like, going to HR if it was in the workplace or, like, speaking to them. So, I just think that we need to, like, recognize that they're children and that if possibly if they were older and they're troubled but possibly if they were older it would have gone down differently because Mm -hmm. they would have had the capacity to solve the issue without taking violent actions Mm -hmm. it is important to mention though that brandon like we said earlier he did try to like recruit some of his friends to just at least assault larry yeah like beat him up or something yeah Yeah. so which which sounds like better not better but that that's what i'm saying that seems more kind of like his speed what what a kid would like more rationally decide to do anyway okay moving on from that um after much deliberation and arguing brandon so like i said there was a lot of back and forth especially in like the pre-trial um to have brandon mckierney tried as an adult and there was a lot of like back and forth most people did not agree with that um 
Well, it's weird because that's kind of like the judge gets to make that decision, mm-hmm. right? And it, and it, I, from my understanding, it mainly came down to that lying and wait allegation that was added to the list of charges. And I at see. that point, it had, like, legally, I believe, it had to be as, it had to have him be tried as an adult. If they were going to include that charge. Yeah. Um, so there were students and teachers and, like, principals and stuff that testified in the case. So students testified that King may- had been made fun, of, made fun of, which we clearly know, that some witnesses said that they never noticed King making any sexual advances and any sexual comments were just to mess with McKierney or any other person for that matter. Um, so it was kind of, especially probably students that were okay with the way he was expressing himself and didn't feel threatened by him. They thought that any sexual comments he was making were just kind of like his way to make a joke and cope with the situation because he was being bullied. Um, to me, it seems like both of them were being bullied and, and bullying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Joy Epstein, who was the former vice principal, one of the former vice principals of EO Green, that school had like the most freaking principals ever. Like there a was. Lot. A one seventh, per grade. One right? per grade, and then there was also, like, a general school principal, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was the former vice principal of EO Green. She's the one that's gotten the most slack. Um, she testified that King could wear what he wanted, and it was not a violation of the dress code. I like that she's sticking to her guns, though. Yeah, she's sticking to that because it, um, it seems like she did a lot of, like, research, and she asked, like, anyone and everyone, like, what should I do in a situation like this? Um, and she stuck with the fact that legally it was not a violation of the student dress code, school dress code. Um, another teacher testified that pupils told her that King would follow them into the bathroom, which I think we could probably all agree was, would be considered sexual harassment to some extent, if that was the truth. Um, if that is correct and actually did happen, um, then Don Boldrin, who was an English teacher at the school, testified that she had, like I, I was mentioning this earlier, she had encouraged him not to wear attention-getting clothing if he did not want to receive negative attention. This is the interesting part. She also gave Larry a strapless green chiffon gown that she intended for him to wear outside of school. She didn't say explicitly that she intended for him to wear it outside of school, but... Hold on. Um, interesting. That's really weird. <laughs> yeah. But it almost seems like she was trying to kind of support him and help him. So it seems like she was telling him, don't do any of this stuff at school, but I still support you as a person. Anyway, at this point in the trial, a photo of him wearing the dress was shown in court, um, which caused many people to start crying, including, and there was like a lot of emotion just in general, including with the King family themselves. Um... And Gregory King got up and gathered his family, the people that were there, and they the King left. family, and told them and grabbed him to leave. Not before Don King, um, that's her, his swore, adopted mom. Yes, swore at Boldrin's, Don Boldrin's 13 year old daughter and a relative who was sitting there as well. Um, Don King at this point was barred for the remainder of the trial. So there was also a lot yeah, of emotion. You can't swear in court. <laughs> there was a lot of emotion going on at that point. Um, why so. were they so upset about a picture of him wearing a dress? So, here's my theory. Hear me out. I think maybe Larry, King's parents, Gregory and Don, didn't necessarily accept that he was gay or bisexual Which or probably only made it worse. It or, I hate to say that like that, but probably only made his behavior at school worse. Then. Right. 
Uh-huh. And it kind of explains the harassment. And, and why like, his teacher would give him a dress because his parents don't want like, him wearing Yeah, dresses. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is quotes again from Don Boldrin. It was reported more than once. Report It, I assume, means the harassment either way. Um, was reported more than once by more than one person. It was documented. There is paperwork on this. She, referring to Assistant Principal Joy Epstein, that's in, like, parentheses, <laughs> kept saying that she didn't know, and she did. She knew. She did. Everybody knew. So this is the teacher that saw all the red flags. Yeah. I was saying before, like, nobody saw any crazy red flags, but this teacher sounds like she did. So to me, it seems like, Every teacher and every student saw red flags, but it was like, it was almost like they didn't want to say anything because... It was a tricky subject. It was like a tricky subject. Like, somebody do died we, for it. Yeah, do we say... Because they were trying to save face. Well, do we do we say, okay, because if you say that Brandon is bullying, or Brandon and other students are bullying Larry because of his sexuality, that's not okay. But then, is Larry King also bullying and possibly sexually harassing other students that's not okay either so there was like this weird situation and like it's like people were like oh they're bullying each other so it canceled out yeah maybe (laughs) um in the first trial there were eight weeks of testimony and almost a hundred different witnesses so like i said students teachers everything um quick little fact about joy epstein they just in general, a lot of people kind of said that Joy Epstein was trying to push her agenda, quote unquote. Um, and that's why she like never As in the gay agenda. Yeah, took oh. any took any um she was trying thing to literally or children. like she never took anything and made something of it because she wanted I don't know. That's I see what you're saying. It's just something that I found. Um the last jury vote of the first trial um, had seven jurors voting for voluntary manslaughter, and then five voted for either second or first degree murder. Um, so voluntary manslaughter, those people that believe that would mean that the crime of killing another person unlawfully in circumstances that do not amount to murder. So, for example, without premeditation or as a result of mitigating circumstances. So, that would be, like, the bullying between both parties, right? Oh, that somehow made it, like, they weren't as responsible. Some, somehow justified. Um, and then first-degree murder is generally defined as an unlawful killing that is both willful and premeditated, meaning that it was committed after planning or lying in wait, in quotes, for the victim. Okay, then... Typically, secondary murder is defined as a murder that is not premeditated or murder that is caused by reckless conduct. Reckless conduct. So, to me, secondary murder and voluntary manslaughter are kind of similar, but mm-hmm. um, voluntary manslaughter. It probably has a different sentence. Yeah. So, voluntary manslaughter, it, it specifies that the crime of killing another person and unlawfully in circumstances that do not amount to murder. So it's not murder if it's manslaughter. I don't know. That's interesting. I think manslaughter is intended maybe to be, like, 
they intended to do harm or in the stop heat of the them, moment they but they didn't intend to murder them which yeah. that i don't know how seven people voted for that because that's not he well the it seems like i mean i wasn't there for the trial obviously but it seems like they proved premeditation mm-hmm. clearly I mean, it was premeditated yeah. like i don't 100%. think you can necessarily he say brought it was... the gun to school mm-hmm. yeah which would be premeditation wouldn't yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah. And they moved it to adult court just for the lying in wait charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The defense attorney had chosen to pursue the gay panic defense I strategy. Um, and basically saying that King was bullying McKierney and that he had no way out. The criminal podcast covers this case as well. I can't remember what it's called. The, but they talk a lot about the gay panic defense. I'll give a l- quick little summary of what the gay panic defense is. Um, It's a legal strategy in which a defendant claims that they acted in a state of violent, temporary insanity because of unwanted same-sex sexual advances. So, I have read a decent amount on the internet about the gay panic defense, and, like, it's weird because, like, I never would have known that that was, like, a thing. A term. Yeah. Or um, even close to a valid excuse. But a lot of people use it as an excuse. It's basically, like, not so much in a legal term, but, like, in my mind, it's them being, like, I was afraid for my life solely because this person was gay, and it made me crazy, and it's just, I'm, a lot of people use this defense to justify hate crimes. And I think that it's important that we, like, we call hate crimes for what they are. Which this was not ruled to be a hate crime. Just a side note. Yeah. Um, But I think it wasn't ruled to be a hate crime because of the bullying that went on on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So, the I mean, the real problem with the gay panic defense is that it dehumanizes gay people as to say, like, that they're so like disgusting or dangerous, that, like, or dangerous yeah. which is not true like at all um however i will say this i can understand just like if i cut out everything except for that what it says that king was bullying mckierney and mckierney felt like he had no way out i could honestly i could see how that that was how brandon felt possibly because mm-hmm. if he was getting these unwanted sexual sort of um advances from king and then he was also getting bullied by his peers i could see how he felt trapped and how he had no way out still don't at all say that (laughs) that does not make me think that murder was the way to go about this um but just as a side note i i kind of understand why you would why that would cause you to feel so trapped not because Larry King is gay. Honestly, if I, what if I had, as like a straight cisgender woman, had somebody, like a man that was giving me, like saying unwanted sexual things to me, um, and my peers were bullying me for some reason for this, like saying that I was a slut or whatever, and I felt like I had no way out, I, as like a sensible woman, would not kill anybody. So even but at I could 13, see, I wouldn't have done that. No, but, but I could see why you would feel trapped. Because you would kind yes. of feel trapped if, uh-huh. like... I like your, your like, analogy of taking it out of the gay, like, 
arena and like being hey it's less about the fact that he was gay it was more, more about, about unwanted unwanted mm-hmm. advances uh-huh. and that's to me why i think that they dropped the hate crime but i think that regardless a rational 13 year old would not regardless of the gay right and part, i think i think we've that. cemented that that, that like they wouldn't not, do that yeah not um i mean they grew up in a totally different same area but totally different social environment than we did yeah like, we were very lucky yeah mm-hmm. the way that we grew up so so the first trial was declared a mistrial because they voted multiple times and there was nobody could agree no what they did not reach a unanimous verdict well and honestly they pro- each charge usually carries some kind of minimum sentence mm-hmm. and i'm sure some of the jurors were like he doesn't deserve I, that long i yeah. can't like morally vote for this charge knowing that he's gonna get such and such time in right prison. so i assume voluntary manslaughter is the lowest in the amount of like years mm-hmm. and, and then second, second and degree then murder first. and then first degree murder i think yeah. that's my understanding that's, yeah um which would make sense that there was majority of the people voting for voluntary manslaughter using kind of your reasoning that they don't want to put him away for that long. They just can't, like, morally do that to a 13-year-old. I'm just saying that we know so little about, like, in the grand scheme of things, we know so little about the differences between adults and children still. Like, we really can't come to a conclusion, it seems like, especially by looking at this case, we can't come to a conclusion of, like, how are children and adults fundamentally different and what age do they become fundamentally different different. for every single person yeah so that's to take into consideration too is that somebody regardless of gender could be fully emotionally and like psychology psychologically developed at 18 and then there could be yeah student or people of the same gender that aren't developed fully emotionally and psychologically until they're like 23 yeah so it depends on your environment and like so many outside factors that we can't just set a baseline for everything and that's why the whole thing of try charging them as an adult is weird because there's probably some adults over 18 that should be not should be charged as children but mentally could be considered children Mm -hmm. yeah but like the law doesn't care like that's they don't like they in this case they uh, Hannah's gonna get to it. They eventually had to come to like a decision. Mm-hmm. Like somebody had to make a decision. Is it? We'll, we'll never know if it was like the right decision in the moral compass of life. But okay. So then, in the second trial, the last trial, the final trial, um, the cro- prosecutors dropped the hate crime charge because I. Th- I think that maybe that would cause even more, like, disruption between, like, whether or not they can come to unanimous verdict. That's kind of my understanding between that. Um, Because, again, it was a different time. And so they, some people might have thought that that was a hate crime, but then some might not have. And so that would have caused, that would have just been another point of contention in coming into a unanimous verdict. I see. On November 21st, 2011, McKierney pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, voluntary manslaughter, and a use of a firearm. Um, yeah, just sit with that for a second. Um, he was sentenced to 21 years behind bars, starting in a juvenile facility and moving to a prison upon turning 18. And he had no credit given for time served prior to the t- trial or for good behavior. So he was in... Um, 
juvie for three years at this point, mm-hmm. a little bit over three years, um, and he got no credit given. So 21 years starting on November 21st, 2011. Do you happen to know when he's eligible for parole? He will not get credit for the nearly four years he ser- has served or be eligible for parole. Oh. So no matter what, so he, will, he not will not get, get out, out of before prison. he's 38. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay. Which, it's so weird because my frame of reference is for adults, you know? And in my head, I'm like, that person murdered that other person in cold blood. If they were an adult, they should be in, char- in jail for way longer than that. But, like, then also on the flip side, I'm like, 21 years is a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's weird how, like, everything is relative. Yeah. Yeah. Like. And also he, like, grew up in jail. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So even when he gets out, he's not really going to be able to be fully He's probably going to have a lot of behavioral yeah. issues, unfortunately. Um, and Which then. Which is the, want to say, that's the problem with our country's jail system, is we don't really focus a lot on, like. Rehabilitation. Rehabilitation yeah. and getting them back into. I mean, it's, it varies on area, but I think we could do a better job of that. Yeah. Um, and then final sentence of the case notes that I have is that King's family does support the court's decision. Um. But they still believe that school officials hold deep responsibility for what happened. So no matter how you put it, they they still think that the school officials who were essentially, like, almost complicit in the bullying mm-hmm. had something... Well, to... they weren't doing anything about it, is the thing. Well, and, and it was like, it was such a sensitive subject that they were basically like, well, we can't tell somebody to stop expressing themselves the way they want to. But we can, and we can tell people, I don't know, it's just like a weird, it's a tough subject. And I think that the, I'm not not even sure that it got to them, to administration, um, that he, that there was a sexual harassment, like, verbally kind of a factor to play into that. Maybe not, yeah. If they didn't know about that, then I could see them thinking that, I mean, King wasn't doing anything wrong, in my opinion, other than that. And so, if they didn't know about that, I can see why they want to have done anything. And it changes between who you ask, because there was so... That's why there were so many witnesses on this case, is because some witnesses were saying, flat out, that this was sexual harassment. I understand why Brandon did, Brandon did what he did. It makes sense to me. Some... And, and teachers knew. That's what some people were saying, is that, like, the teachers knew that this was sexual harassment. Blah, blah, blah. Then there's, like, the other side of things that are saying, like... Oh, even if teachers did know about what um, Larry was saying to Brandon and other students, presumably, um, it it wasn't, like, bullying. It was just kind of, like, his way to cope with it, almost. Or joking. Or jokingly. That sort of thing. So, I don't know. That's kind of just my thoughts on that. I don't know. It's really confusing. There was a lot more to this than I thought there was going to be. I've seen a couple (laughs) interviews with teachers. Weren't you saying that there was, like, that one lady that, like, was more in, like, not quite the same words, but saying, like, oh, like, he had it coming? More or less, there was one teacher that did, like, an interview um, where she basically said that she understands, she doesn't think, she personally doesn't believe that she would have killed anybody but she understands where brandon was coming from 
Yeah. Which is a little jarring to hear, but I also, I also kind of understand where they're coming from because in some, if it was to the point of like sexual harassment, I mean, I I still wouldn't have killed anybody, but still, do you know what I mean? If it was sexual, if it was sexual harassment, I could understand why someone felt so threatened by that. It's so sad because this is like, doesn't even feel real. It's like a movie. It's like, kids don't kill kids. Like, mm-hmm. that's not like a common thing. I mean, I guess school shootings, it's usually a oh, kid, no. right? Um. All right. So that's pretty much it for this one. Do you guys have any other final thoughts? So I think that it was not handled well by pretty much everybody involved. Well, mm-hmm. and it's clear that nobody really knew what the right thing to do was with charging Brandon. Like, mm-hmm. Is sending him to jail for the rest of his life going to bring Larry back? Like, is, no, yeah. is that going to change anything? Is that going to, like, yeah. is that going to bring any justice to the situation, putting this 13-year-old in jail for a long time? I mean, he's still, he's still in jail for a long time, but, like, I think that's why the mistrial happened. So. It seems like a lot of people in the jury and, and the, involved in the case thought that there was hope for Brandon, sort yeah. of, to kind of come Especially back Especially because he expressed remorse. Express, expressed remorse, and he also, I mean, like we're saying, it was it was definitely possible that he was being sexually harassed by Larry King. So, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? No. Horribly sad case, but I just have to put, like, a disclaimer in here. From growing up in this area, going to the same school, this was not at all how I would have talked about this, like, ten years ago. But once I did all very... this research on this, I was like, okay, there is a. It is not as black and white as I thought it was. That's well, just and the, kind a of lot of the there. opinions that I formed about it were, you know, it was like, oh my god, this kid shot this other kid and he died, which like, is horrible. Because <laughs> like, as a kid, yeah. it's not so you don't have like the multi-dimensional reasoning. You're just like murder is wrong. You're like yeah. murder is wrong, which it is. Yes, like that's crazy. And I haven't changed just... my opinion on that. Murder is wrong, but, yeah. but there's so. I guess what I'll just say is, like, is justice served here? There's so much more going on than what I once thought. There's a lot of, like, gray area versus black and white kind Mm -hmm. of facts. So, thanks for sticking with us for this episode. It was a little bit of a long one and a little bit of a doozy. Um, But don't forget to follow us on Instagram at whowhatwherepodcast. And you guys can let us know down below in the comments any thoughts or questions you might have about the case or any tips um and then we also have a youtube that we post the video version of the podcast too and you guys can check us out there at who what where podcast as well um and if you want to leave any comments on those videos you can as well and we'll respond to them too thanks for listening guys we'll see you in the next one